Premier League. Stay tuned for more on the Top Football Podcast. Yes, hello and welcome to a special episode of the Top Football Podcast. This is going to be on the A-League and the state of the game. And uh, for today's podcast, I have a couple of ring-ins. I didn't want three people on the podcast that knew nothing about the A-League. So Sam and Tristan have stepped down today. And uh, I have a couple of ring-ins, as I said. So first of all, we've got Chipper, who's a good friend of the show and uh, active uh, support or active member of Sydney FC. So how are you going, Chip? Yeah, not bad, mate. Good to be on. Um, finally, to talk a league I can watch at a reasonable hour. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would love to be talking about football, you know, uh, every game that we could. Um, but, you know, I'm stuck in the Premier League at the moment, but hopefully the A-League uh, does win me over. And uh, my second panellist today is uh, Wolfo, who's also a friend of the show. Um, and he did tell me to specifically mention that at some point in his life, he was in the top 30 in uh, fantasy uh, for the A-League. So welcome, <laughs> Wolfo. There's your shout-out, mate. I, I mentioned it. So how are you going? How are you? I reckon, I reckon there was only 30 people doing fantasy A-League back in the day. Um, but yeah, good, good to be on the show, mate. Um, looking forward to the A-League kicking off. Yeah, it's uh, it's about to start up again. And Wolfo does run a couple of other podcasts as well, a body surfing podcast as well. So make sure you guys check that out if you want as well. Um, but yeah, it's good to have you on the show, boys. And uh, today our special guest is uh, a former Fox Sports producer who's um, given up his time free of charge to uh, come and tell us about the state of the game. And that is Nicholas Bruce, um, who I believe did all the A-League stuff as well as the W-League and quite a few of the other Fox Sports football shows if i'm not wrong so how are you nicholas and thanks coming up for coming on the show no worries good i'm good just uh keen to get back into the a-league it's been a bit of time off but um yeah can have a bit of a chat today about it sounds good i am uh, certainly looking forward to it and uh i know you guys have much more insights than me so if i say anything stupid please just call me out because you know i'm uh i'm 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 a bit of a ring in here i'm i'm just trying to get the uh, content out to the people so um all right, well, let's get stuck into it anyway and uh, start talking about some of the A-League stuff. I do want to come back to the Fox Sports stuff as well at some point as well, Nick, if that's all right. Um, but we might as well get into it. And uh, what's going on with the game, guys? I mean, so Nick, I'll go with you first, but where do you think we're at at the moment? Because from my point of view, as someone who's not actively supporting it, it it's, it's not looking great. And uh, that was before COVID sort of came in. So where do you see the game at the moment? Yeah, no, I, I kind of agree with that sentiment of games. Not in a great spot at the moment. Um, and I suppose COVID's kind of ramped everything up to the extreme where it's at a crossroads with um, the television deal looking to be coming to an end uh, at the end of next season. Um, and not really any ideas of what the game will, or what the league will look like in a couple of years' time. Um, the league's not really been on an upward trajectory for I would say three to four years now. And um, you can see that in the television ratings have been down. Um, marquees have been a hit and miss. Um, and even like the crowds, it, they haven't been what they used to be with um, I was probably since maybe the Tim Cahill season. That was probably the last big season we had. 
Um, but yeah, it's 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 it's, I, it's hard to predict what's going to happen with how FFA are, are managing everything. You can say what you want about them, but they haven't really done anything to make me confident that the game's going to go be in a good spot in three, four years' time. That's for sure. It, it is concerning to hear you say that as, a, as someone who is following the game because that's what it feels like looking at uh, from a sort of outward point of view. Um, and Chip, how about you, mate? How are you finding it with uh, obviously the crowds and, and things like that pre-COVID? Where, where do you think the game was at before all uh, all this sort of stuff happened? Um, it's funny for me because I was actually away for two years. And from so from 2016 to 2018, I was living out of the country before I went away, you know, it was pumping and I was gone for two years and I've, I've come back into it and it kind of feels like stagnated a lot. I think the football quality is still there in a sense, but yeah, as far as the crowds go, it's out of the media now. No one really talks about it. You don't see it advertised anywhere. I think that's a big thing. So yeah, it's, it's definitely in a funny spot. I don't know uh, what, what's changed. Maybe Fox's, really trying to they're in a hard spot maybe with funding i don't think pay tv is what it used to be so maybe that's got a lot to do with it but yeah interesting times for sure yes i think we could all probably associate it back to money and funding but i guess that that has to come from somewhere and uh, and that's something that i guess that the league has to figure out at some point so um with uh with that wolfo how are you finding it like having been to sort of the um a lot of the uh, the derbies over the years, how, how do you find they've changed? Because I think they're a really good measuring stick for the success of the A-League. And I remember when you guys were talking about going to the derby and it was like, it was like concerning at a level that, you know, it was, it was getting to that level where it was like that European style football. And I think that might be part of the problem that kind of ended things. But yeah, how do you feel those derbies have changed over the years and, and, uh, and that European influence? Yeah, I think, no, well, I suppose, suppose the whole league is, uh, as a whole is, um, has probably lost lost a bit of shine off it. Um, the derby, obviously talking about the Sydney derby there, um, yeah. yeah, it's big stadiums, um, trying to fill them up. It's just been pretty hard. Um, a couple of years there we played out of um, ANZ Stadium and it just wasn't happening and it kind of lost that atmosphere. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's pretty bleak. The outlook, I suppose, I think it's more of the um, the fear of the unknown of, of what's ahead after uh, next season when we run out of Fox Sports money. <laughs> That's going to be the big thing, isn't it? And uh, Nick, I'll cut back to you and, and just ask, how do you think those sort of crowds have changed and that, that European influence as well, that, that, that changing crowd, how, how do you think those crowds have changed given your point of view producing some of those shows over the years? So, yeah, always have especially the Sydney Derby, um, the first couple of ANZ games, that was when they were filling out ANZ. Um, and then I probably put it down to the Wanderers not being great over the last few years either. And, and that rivalry between Sydney and, and, and Wanderers, the interest hasn't been like as big as, as it could have been. Um, I suppose if you had two top Sydney teams, that game would have been packed out every single game. Mm. But yeah, Wanderers haven't kind of dropped off a bit. Um but then you go to places like it always it's 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 that long conversation we've had about um, the stadiums that the A League teams have been playing in with the big cabinets venues that just haven't been working, um, and you see like a club like um, Adelaide United playing out of Coopers, it's, it's a small stadium, 
um, and you get that vibe and you get that European feel um, in those types of environments. But when like you have Wanderers playing out of well, Spotless last year, um, Victory playing out of Etihad, it's just half, empty half the time. It just it doesn't come across well on TV that atmosphere. Um, but yeah, it's always that comes back to A League should be playing in venues that are like uh, conducive to the size of the of the league, and and that's probably what the clubs need to be looking at coming going forward of, of um, maybe more suburban venues and getting away from these massive cavernous venues. Yeah. It seems like a pretty simple solution relative to, to other solutions, I guess, with expansion and relegation and things we'll talk about in a second. But the, reducing the uh, the stadium size would surely save them some money in, in funding. But I guess the deals may have been struck in, in, in previous years. So who knows about how that exactly runs. But if you want to jump in, Nick, and, and if you've got any insights on that, that'd be really good. Like, just going back, why they choose these cabinets venues, it's mostly due to the corporate... Um, corporate ties so i know spotless stadium was used non-stop by the um by the wanderers they had corporate boxes um and they didn't choose to go to a place like um like penrith stadium would have been a perfect venue for them to play out of even maybe campbelltown as well they choose not to because they don't have corporate venues uh, corporate facilities that's the only reason they played a spotless which kind of bit them in the ass now that they've lost a lot of fans and a lot of goodwill with with their like the rbb and all that they certainly did and and it Reminds me of the, yeah the RBB and, and and the North Terrace stuff that happened with Melbourne and and all that uh, you know infighting that that didn't end well for for the fans and for the league. Um, Chip Chip, have you got any any opinions on that as well, mate? Yeah, I just wanted to add one thing, especially with the derbies. I think the playing three games a year against the same team, it, I think it's a little bit oversaturated. So some you might have, you, we might play Wanderers and then a month later you're playing them again. I think it's just, I think it's too much. And I think the quicker we can get to at least a 14-team league where you can just have a regular home and away season, the better for me. Well, let's let's get into that now, why don't we? Uh, let's talk about the expansion. And, um, and uh, Nick, I'll cut to you again. What do, what do you think of the, the new teams coming in? Are they going to be a good thing for the game? And should we keep expanding? Yes, we should 100% keep expanding. Um, the new teams that have come in, I mean, we haven't seen much yet of of the MacArthur Bulls. Um, so we can only judge how Western United have been going at the moment. Um, on the field, like, yeah, they're a good team to watch on the field. Off the field, they seem to be trying to get fans to their, to their games and um, they're still not playing in their own stadium, which they haven't even started building yet. But um, I think F, FFA can't stuffed up here with not going to a, a, a team that's already kind of established and maybe had their own venue in their own area. Because Western United is like, it's not a, it's part of a city. It's not like a, a central location where like Wanderers are from Parramatta and Sydney are from obviously in the city, but um, there's no, yeah, central hub for these, this like community to be mm. at. So like if people who live in Western Melbourne, are they going to be associated with this team? I don't know. Um, so yeah, uh, MacArthur Bulls. I mean, they've signed Ante Milicic for their first season, and Tommy Orr. I think that was their first signing. So they look to be building uh, a similar to Western United. Um, just the team, players that have been around the A League. Um, how good they'll be on the park, I don't know. Um, and then that that also provides another derby for Sydney team. So we were talking about derbies before. Whether that's going to be 
um, like the Southwest West Derby, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> how interesting that's going to be for next season. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's um, having, I live out in MacArthur now and um, I've followed Sydney FC my whole life. Um, but I mean, getting to a game for me is, is an absolute struggle. It's an hour to an hour and a half at least to get there. I've got a young, a little girl. I don't want to take her all the way in the city on all the trains. So having a MacArthur team means I can sort of take her out. And I think that family, like that amount of family people that you'll be seeing in the AFL is, is, is a big difference. So, um, Wolfo, how do you feel about those expansion teams as well? Yeah, I think Western, Western um, United has done pretty well on the field. Um, I think they're sitting about about mid-table around the finals places. But off the field, I think as as Nick said before, it's been hard for them to really engage a community as um, as such. But um, yeah, Macarthur, from what I've from what I've been reading, they've they've done a pretty good job in um, kind of engaging that local area and trying to get a bit of a following before they before they get started. I think um, they were kind of thrown in the deep end, uh, Western United, um, but MacArthur's got that bit of extra time to set up and get those kind of um, feet on the ground and kind of get the word spread before they actually kick off. Well, I live out here, and I mean, I feel like I'm the kind of supporter they need to win over. I play football, I watch a lot of football, I enjoy football, and I haven't been won over by them. And I guess this is where we come back to that issue. Does the A-League have a marketing problem? And I guess I'll chuck this over to you, Nick, because having been sort of the, the person on Fox, and I wouldn't say it's it's a production problem. I'm not trying to throw you under the bus here. I'd say it's a distribution and marketing problem that we have. So how do you feel about that, um, <laughs> Nick? And uh, yeah, like I said, I'm not trying to throw you under the bus here, but I feel like it is that kind of distribution and uh, marketing problem. No, I agree with that completely. Um my former boss always said we're we're doing the A League's marketing for them. Um, like so many times, we'd start the season where <laughs> FFA didn't have a marketing plan of of, of how they were going to approach the season. Um, probably like the last one they did was the Yoshi. Um, <laughs> mentioned they did, which I don't know. If it, it might have worked. It has everyone still talking about it? So I guess it did work in that way. <laughs> we all remember. Um, but like you, for the last two seasons. You can't even think of what the tagline for the A-League was. Um, you wouldn't see any ads on TV for it. Um, you might see on um, the occasional bus going through the city. But, yeah, for, for the people who aren't actually invested in, in, and interested in the A-League, they wouldn't know what's on. The amount of like, conversations I've had with friends say, oh, that, that's back on, is it? <laughs> um, yeah, it's just they don't, <laughs> they don't do themselves any, any good by having no plan with marketing and, and trying to get the word out. Like, I don't know who their marketing agency or if they even have one, but they probably should suck them up and get a new one. I'd, I'd have to agree with you there because it's certainly one of the biggest determining factors. In Australian sport, we see advertising for just about everything else. And, and once again, I'm sure it comes back to money and things like that. And, and we can jump across many lines here and talk about different things. But one, one I do hear brought up quite a bit is, why doesn't Optus just pick it up and, and, and start doing it? Because they're doing a great job with the EPL and, and the other leagues and they've got everything there so we can just package it together. And, and I know for a fact that Optus don't do any of the sort of production stuff or at least not much. They're, they're more packaging that content and, and putting it together. So what's your opinion, Nick, on that, on that Optus transfer? Is that something that's actually feasible and, uh, and would it be a success? So, yeah, I've been quite opinionated about this how on Facebook groups and comments saying like, oh, why does an Optus pick up the A-League? I'm like, it's not, it's not a simple procedure for Optus to pick them up. As you said, they 
they get the Premier League packaged up in a nice little box and sent to them. So they all they do is put it on on their platform, the stream for it, um, and they have their one weekly show. Um, what's it called? The Sunday Sunday morning show. Um, and then I think they have editors who don't do the the uh, K, the, K minis, the Optus mini matches. Um, so that's all they really do for the Premier League. A League would be a whole new beast for them. That would be producing every single game, every I think it's three hundred and sixty so games um, of A League plus Socceroos um, and hit played in, here in Australia. Um, the Socceroos game is produced by Fox Sports. Um, and then W League would probably be in it. So that's, you're looking at about 500 games that would have to produce. Um, just to give you an idea of how much that would cost. So a tier A game for A League, um, which is like a derby or a grand final, costs about 100 grand just for that game. And you go down to a tier C, which is be you know, a Brisbane Central Coast on a Sunday morning, uh, afternoon, that, that's probably about 80 grand. So you, you times that by... $350, that's that's a lot of money. That's just Optus would have to be paying to produce the A-League. Um, that's not on top of how much then they would pay for the rights for the A-League. So it's not it's not a cheap deal. And I've always thought that Optus are there just to sell phone plans, just to get people onto the Optus network just so they can sell phones. They don't... I've got to be careful because I, I do have a lot of friends who sell Optus um, <laughs> and they, they do fantastic work, but... Um, I think, yeah, at the end of the day, they're, they're there just to get their Optus out there. Um, yeah, that's just my opinion, though, of it. Well, I, I wouldn't say that's a bad opinion because, I mean, given that the football in Australia has a pretty poor poor record, they probably didn't think it would pick up as, as much as it did. And I'm hoping that that perception has changed. Like you said, there's a lot of good people that work on there and... And now they do have quite a bit of football content. And I would say I still have problems with it. Like I still have streaming issues and things like that. So it's not, it's not perfect, but it's certainly improved from, from its initial early days where we were getting, you know, the World Cup and things like that with all the issues they had there and, and everything. But yeah, it would, be, um, it would be good if someone could package it up for Optus and give it to them. That would be the ideal plan, I suppose. So with Foxtel, I know there's quite a few That's companies they distribute to, but like with KO and all that, but I, I believe Fox is producing it and they're just, selling it out to those companies or are they part of Fox? I'm not, I'm not exactly sure. Yeah, KO is part of Foxtel um, and they're, they're in the same building as Fox Sports, so they're, but they're run as separate companies. Um, but, yeah, we were pretty much packaging everything up for KO, so all our highlights and, and features and documentaries we would then give to KO because we know they would actually get more views on there than putting on our website or um, like putting it pre-game or something like that. Um, the I don't, the other thing with Optus is whether they want to take a punt on it, um, whether they actually do like uh, looking out for the good of the game if if they did buy the A League, um, but whether it would be for them like it wouldn't be a money maker because as you can see the last few years A League hasn't been making Fox Sports any money, so whether they actually do want to take a punt on that, if it's just for goodwill or yeah. That's it. Well, I guess it all links in together, doesn't it? The marketing problem leads to the lack of funding, which leads to the issues with selling it to another producer and things like that. So we have ongoing issues which aren't going to be resolved uh, without really that, that money coming from somewhere. So how, how we get that is, I guess, up to someone to, to figure out uh, and podcasts like us to discuss. And hopefully we do get to talk about it in a few years, uh, some of those changes. But um, 
Very quickly, do you guys know of any other teams they might be expanding into? I know we were talking about expansion before, but are there any other teams that they were looking at ex- like expansion for um, that you're aware of? So, Wolf, I'll cut to you first, and then if you're not sure, Chip and then Nick. I, I don't think they're looking at them um, at the moment. Um, there'll be another round of expansion probably in the near future, um, but it'll be the same usual suspects that are putting their hands up, your Canberra's, your Brisbane. Uh, Wollongong, which will be a hard slog now that MacArthur's coming in. Um, South Melbourne, uh, maybe another Adelaide team, but really, is is there enough um, talent there to spread along to put that many more teams in straight away? I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be a couple of years away at least. Yep. And Chip, any any news that you know of there? Different to that. It's strange. I don't know if you could look anywhere across the world and find a league that doesn't have a team from their capital city. So I think Canberra is a must in the next round, but whether or not that happens, I don't know why they keep getting brushed over, but um, it'd be interesting to see who puts their hand up, especially in the current climate, I guess. It's with, they have they have a W League team, so it's not like the there's not a brand already there to be made. Uh, and a Y League team as well, I believe. Yeah, it's... It's bizarre to me, but it's definitely something I see pop up quite a bit on uh, on CAF. So those of you who who are listening from CAF, uh, thank you. We we appreciate your patronage. Um, but yeah, I remember when the Canberra teams were going for it, and they, they obviously got knocked back. It was um, between that and South Melbourne. There's a lot of talk about South Melbourne, but yeah, Canberra seems to be one that is very hot topic, and it is strange. So it would be good if you do, and if someone has uh, some uh, insight on that, please hit us up on the podcast, and um, we'd love to get that out to everybody. So. I'd like to know for sure. All right. Well, um, that's good talking about the expansion stuff. If there's nothing else, guys, um, we will jump into where we're at currently with the season. So currently who is uh, – oh, actually, let's go with how the, how the end of the season is going to run. So, Nick, I'll go over to you, um, and then if any if you boys want to jump in with anything. So how's the, how's the remainder going to run? Because I'm not sure at this point, and I wonder if our, our listeners want to know. So <clears throat> this is kind of changing week by week with – what happened with Victoria, they initially were going to have the Victorian teams play down there and then move up to New South Wales, and that obviously changed in the last week. Um, and then we're waiting to see what happens in New South Wales, if there's an outbreak here, but it's looking like the games will still go ahead as planned. Um, so we were kind of at the rounds of 23 and 24, and there were games being cancelled left, right and centre towards the end of the COVID period. So um, that means there was, uh, I think... There's 27 games to be played. There's three, three, three or four rounds to be played still. Um, and they're all going to be played in Sydney. Um, so Western, uh, what's it called? Bankwest Stadium, Jubilee, Central Coast, and Newcastle Stadium. And then Brisbane are going to play up there, their remaining games, and come down to Sydney. Um, but, yeah, they've haven't really said where the grand final will be. My guess it's probably going to be Bankwest Stadium. Um, and, the yeah, they'll still have the elimination and semifinal and the grand final as, as planned. But they're trying to just kind of get all these games done as quickly as possible um, in the next, t- t- next month, really, just to make sure that we can get the season done before anything else happens. They can replant the next season. Um, but yeah, that's that's how it's going to run for the rest of this season, unless that something changes in the next <laughs> week, which some, somehow always happens. Yeah, Chip or Wolfo, do you have any uh, other news on that? Um, anything else to, to add, or 
That cub pretty much covers it. Um, I, I, it's interesting. Bankwest, I've read only that they're looking at 14 games, including rugby league, in a month. So <laughs> it'll be very interesting to see how that pitch holds up, um, whether or not it'll be suitable for a grand final in six weeks' time or whenever that is. But, yeah, other than that, I think ground sharing, especially in Sydney with both, you know, NRL and A-League hubs being kind of located in ground sharing will be a, ma- a bit of an issue, I think, but yeah, nothing more to add, really. So all the all the Melbourne games, they haven't really um, they haven't really announced when those games are going to be played, obviously because they're still in two-week quarantine. Um, but yeah, again, that's that's going to be interesting for the ground availability for the, where those teams play. I guess Central Coast Stadium's not really got many league games being played there, so maybe they could Host most of those games there. I don't know. Yeah, I think I think there's 27 games in 34 days. That's how. So it's going to be similar to the Premier League. There's going to be kind of a game every day almost. Um, but yeah, across those what five or six stadiums, it's going to be pretty tough, especially competing with rugby league being played exclusively in those as well. So all that about ground sharing is a nice little segue into moving the competition into winter. I think that's going to be a problem in the future for sure. It certainly is. We'll talk about that in two seconds. I just want your fan opinions on uh, or your, your thoughts on what's actually happening with the fans' allowances going into the game. So is there anybody allowed in the game or is it all is it all uh, behind closed doors? Um, I've understood it's the same as what the NRL is at the moment where they have, I guess, 25% capacity of the ground, um, which probably is about the same as what they were doing before the outbreak. <laughs> so yeah, it's back to normal, really. Um, but like maybe like Jubilee State, where you usually get a packed out setting for a Sydney FC game, that's going to be, um, yeah, look a little less full than, than usual. Um, but I mean, you're not going to get the Perth fans traveling over or anything like that. So uh, the fans, fans going to those games are most likely going to be neutrals. Yeah, for sure. And uh, if you guys, I'm assuming there's there's not much else info on that. We'll throw a chip, but if there is, jump in now. Um, yeah, like if, looking at like this week, like I think there's Brisbane and Adelaide playing against each other. I don't know how many people in New South Wales will be going to, or in Sydney will be going to that game. So good luck to them. But um, yeah, it's good on TV, I think. It'll so be like, interesting with the home ends, that's for sure. I know they have to be socially distanced, so... <laughs> That might make for some funny viewing, for sure. I'm interested to see what type of crowd noise they put on the uh, TV, whether it's like a full packed stadium or just like the normal Sunday league type crowd. <laughs> actually, that Brisbane Adelaide game, I think it's actually the last game in Queensland. I think it's going to be at the Gold Coast, and then they move down. Yeah, I, uh, I think if they make the crowd noise too good, people start to think, you know, it's it's nowhere near like the real thing, so they'll have to be careful there. All right, well, let's jump into what Chip was talking about before, which was with the uh, the Winter League, and we can talk about it a fair bit here. So, again, I'll start with you, Nick. What have you heard on the uh, on the Winter League format? I think it was 2021, but I'm not sure. And uh, and, and what does that mean for, for football in Australia? So, yeah, this is probably, like, Bozzo has been harping on about this for years. This has been his number one want uh, to move it to a winter competition. And I'm kind of all for it. Um the fact that you can play your football game in the afternoon and then go to an early game in the, in the evening or take your kids to play sport in the morning and then take them to a game in the, in the afternoon or evening, that's, that sounds pretty good to me. Um, 
that's probably the criticism that's come about is that um, you're going head to head with the AFLs and the NRLs in terms of, of media spots, but we're kind of not even getting anything in the media at the moment <laughs> it, when we're playing in summer. It's, cr- it's always cricket over A-League, so it doesn't really matter. We're not getting that type of media exposure. Um, and also the whole thing that it ties in with the MPL, um, the so like if the, if the if someone's playing well in an MPL team and they get scouted by an A League team, like for for example, into an A League team, so it's setting up that that possible possibility of a of a second um, second division with running alongside with the MPL. But no, I'm kind of looking forward to it and. The other thing is playing in winter, we might get better quality games rather than playing on 40-degree Sunday afternoons. Um, and, yeah, it, the, the other, other thing is that we're not playing with the European leagues, so we're going to get players that are going to be not conducive to that time of year that have been playing in Europe over over the winter months. So we might not be able to get those players who are in contracts for those clubs over there. Um, that's that's been a kind of a benefit of being playing around the same time as the European leagues. But yeah, I, I think it's a positive change in the long run. And you, Wolfo, how about you, Matt? Do you think it's a good thing? I, I I personally do, but don't know enough about it. Yeah, for sure. Like we touched on ground um, ground sharing before, which is going to be the the biggest hurdle, I suppose. Um, but yeah, I think the quality of play is going to be a lot better in the cooler months. Um, some of those. Some of those summer days, this or this, this season, the start of this season was was horrific, pretty much. Um, but yeah, so I think they're looking at starting in December and to July when the Fox Sports deal runs out. So they're going to kind of play half of this season and the whole of next season within within the next twelve months. Um, and that'll set us up after that, whatever happens with the broadcast deal. But looking at winter, yeah. And. Um... Well, with that, I think you talk about the, the football sharing and things like that. And we just talked about previously the fact that we need to use smaller smaller and smaller uh, uh, venues. I mean, it, it surely would fit that we'd be able to fit in those smaller venues and sell them out. And then the NRL and AFL would take, you know, the bigger venues, which they seem to not worry about because they get the TV viewing. Um, they obviously want full stadiums, but again, they probably have, have deals and, and, and promotional boxes, as you were speaking about before, Nick. So I think it's, a, it's, a, it's an opportunity to... to you know, we may have no other choice than to use those smaller stadiums, and then everyone will start to say, "Oh, wait, these are these are a better better option anyway," because we get the atmosphere, then we get the marketing, then we get everything else that comes with it. So, corporates can come later, I suppose. Um, and Chip, for you, mate, how are you feeling about the uh, the uh, winter comp and promotion relegation, the news of that sort of stuff? Um, I mean, as far as Australia's football problems are concerned, I don't think playing in summer or winter is really top of the list. Um, I think it's a good change regardless, but I think, yeah, more, like you said, more like more importantly, promotion relegation, I think is is definitely a bigger a bigger priority because you know, from halfway through the season, you've got teams like Central Coast and well, basically it's been them for the last four years now. They're just they're not playing for anything. It's just you know, why would you bother going to a central coast, you know, <laughs> Wellington fixture? Two we're two sorry, games from sorry, the end of the season when sorry, Central, Central Coast, Coast haven't been trying for six weeks. <laughs> I, I mean, it's a shame, especially for because they used to be such a great club. But I don't know what's going on up there at the moment. But 
yeah, I think winter's definitely a positive switch for sure, but we'll see like I guess we'll the top s- of our priorities I don't think well, I guess we'll see with the uh with the new deal because as as Wolfo mentioned before we uh that fox do- fox sports deal expires at that point, so um Nick, I'll cut back to you with that and what what's the latest on that deal like what what actually happened there um and uh what do you think could be the afters what what could be happening next and what happened is even my friends who still work at Fox don't know what happened. It's it's uh, way above their pay grade of, of what was actually happening. So we kind of like were watching from the outside and reading all the newspaper where they wanted to walk away from the deal and um, took this COVID opportunity to, to, to sever ties with FFA and the A-League. Um, or they thought that, oh, maybe they might be able to get a bit better deal for the A-League. And, and it's I think it's probably it's best for both parties because... FFA need that that money, and Fox needed to cut ties, cut money somewhere. So the fact that they got a cheap deal works out for them and works out for FFA. Um, but yeah, we were like my friends that work still work at Fox were pretty much on furlough for um, since March, um, and they weren't being told when they were coming back. They said July would be the time they would come back. So whether that was in Fox's um, idea that that's probably when they can strike a deal. Um, but then even when I was there, they were before this start of the season, they were kind of talking about um, Patrick Delaney, who's the CEO of Foxtel, running to Optus and say, please take this off our hands. Well, that, we were hearing stories of that, whether that actually was true or not. But um, yeah, it's just no, no um, secret that Fox have just been trying to like wind this thing down after putting so much money into it. Um, yeah, they're trying to, either get it down to a, the most minimum amount of of um, money that they're paying or just getting it rid of it completely. They, they seem to be a bit over it. Thanks for that insight. That's um, probably more info than, you know, any of us have, even if it's a rumour. It's, it's it's still some, some good knowledge and, and we'll see what comes true later. I'm sure it'll come out in the end, but maybe not for a while. Uh, Wolfo, do you have anything you've read on that? I know you were doing a bit of reading this week. Did you pick up anything uh, in the news that might be different to that or that's about it for, for that Fox deal? No. Yeah, I think Nick's hit it pretty much on the head. Obviously, he's, he's a lot more involved than what I've been able to read. Um, but I think the scary thing is that if Optus don't pick it up um, and if the A-League themselves do the production and Optus... Um, pick up the broadcast, if, if Optus says no, then what's plan C? I don't think there is one. Um, there's no one on free-to-air that's going to that's gonna really cheat that much money. So that's that's my biggest concern on if Optus says no, then who's going to do it? I've, I've got a theory. So um, with the with this new deal, they've, they've, Fox have got rid of the, FF, the FFA Cup. So... The FFA Cup is going to be entirely produced by FFA. Um, I don't know if you've, if you've well, watched every single game that's been on Fox for the last few years, but you have your main game that's always been on Fox Sports, and then you have the three other stream games that are, are done by an outside company. Um, and so my guess is that the next year's FFA Cup, actually they've cancelled this year's FFA Cup, but the one after, they will be entirely like that stream version. Um, and I guess FFA might just be testing out the waters to see, like, how could they produce a league that's similar to this? Maybe a better, bit better quality, but um, whether they have the funds and whether they have the ability to produce something like that, that might be where 
A-League might be heading after this Fox Sports deal if they don't get any free-to-air bidders. Yeah, I think um, that F- FFA Cup broadcast was done by a company called um, Bar TV. Uh, yeah. I think um, – and I read an article from the – I think it was the CEO or the, the guy who runs that, that company, and he was saying that they could do it, but at a bare bones where instead of Fox maybe having – 15 cameras at every stadium they might only have five stadiums at every um five cameras stadium so um to reduce cost that way that's i suppose one of the biggest expenses and as long as they if they can get like a bare bones kind of production going then that might make it a bit cheaper for um from to sell, sell it on yeah i think um bar tv at the moment they do um the regional rugby league up in newcastle they're from the new uh, newcastle area um and they're so for FFA Cup, they have a two-camera setup. Um, they could definitely upgrade it to a four-camera setup where you have um, two cameras behind the goal and the two on the sideline. That would that would actually be like broadcast quality for A-League, I reckon. Um, you don't have to go too high. Um, um, and it would be pretty cheap to produce, I reckon. It's whether FFA have the money to do that um, because they obviously haven't been doing uh, any productions for the last... 16 or 15 years however long the alley's been going from for as long as there's one camera for the chavapi stand where there always seems to be <laughs> most important camera of the night so long. <laughs> I but do. Are, the, are the clubs taking back control of of the league or is it still being run by the ffa yes yeah, so i know it's still it's i guess it's still in the process of being handed over to the clubs um yeah. and yeah that's i don't know what's going to happen there with um, with the TV rights still, because they're not going to be getting money. And so they've kind of like shot themselves in the foot of voting for independence and they're like, oh, now our money's kind of not coming in. All right. Well, let's, um, I do want to find out sort of how you ended up at, at Fox, Nick. And then I want to have your insight on, uh, on sort of what you think's going on there with the, uh, obviously with the Simon Hill news that we've just all recently got. So sort of how'd you end up at Fox Sports? Like how'd you get into it? And then, and then what ended up happening? Um, or what do you think is happening at Fox Sports at the moment? Yeah, so um, I started Fox in 2012, um, back when they were Piermont, and that was when Fox and EPL and everyone, everything was at its prime um, before any rights deals kind of happened. Um, but I, I started in the kind of uh, the mailroom, it was the, called the tapes department, um, which is uh, we were watching the, all the live feeds come into this, to the um, office and, and recording them onto the database. So it meant like... I'd be working midnight watching the Premier League or 10 Premier League games coming in overnight and make sure that was recorded. Um, after that, I kind of like befriended all the football guys and there wasn't a lot of people who were really into football, luckily, in my department. So like, they kind of spotted me as the keen football guy and um, kind of got my opportunity when a few people left and they asked if I wanted to be an associate producer. And I'm like, yep, that's exactly what I want to do. Um, so I started football producing in 20, what was it, 14, 2015. Um, and back then I was only doing the A-League highlight show, which was Simon Hill and, and Mark Rodan um, every week talking and all that. Um, and then kind of just got my skills up and started producing a few of the other shows. A-League Hour was my, my flagship show, which got cancelled this year. Um, and then... Uh, I was working on producing on, on games this year. So, yeah. Um, and then kind of 
I was kind of, it's hard to say how, why I left, but it was more, it was, it was personal reasons more than anything else. Um, I just, I was looking for a change from, from television then to get out of it. But that was also kind of seeing things that were happening at Fox that was, I wasn't really agreeing with. Um, there was stuff happening behind the, the scenes that I, my, um, my bosses were made redundant at the end of last season um, and redundancies were made left, right and center throughout the company. Um, and I kept, I kind of only kept my job because I was cheap, I guess, because <laughs> I was only one of the, the lowy producers. Um, and then it was kind of, we were put with uh, rugby union and, and it was our two sports versus NRL and AFL um, as the, the, they, they branded this word as the non-marquee sports. So um, going into this season, a lot of our shows were cut. In fact, all our shows were cut except for match day Saturday. Uh, so that kind of left me going, well, if I'm a show producer, what am I going to be doing here? Uh, I'm going to produce some games, which I enjoyed doing, but it's not really what I, what I wanted to be doing. Um, and then I kind of like spent a few months looking for other jobs, found the job I'm currently at and, and took that. And I'm glad I did because I think I wouldn't be wouldn't have a job right now with, with what I couldn't see when COVID was happening, but yeah, that's what happened. Yeah. So yeah, going back to the, what's going on with Fox and, and the love with the A-League. Um, I still think like high up, they do really appreciate the A-League and, and they do love it. Um, they, they wouldn't if they put so much money uh, for the last 15 years into the A-League that they, they don't care about it. It's kind of their baby. Um, they kind of did make it. Um, but you have to talk company and throw the business line where it's not making the money. So you can understand that they've kind of fallen a bit out of love with it. And that was made pretty certain with our redundancies that were made in our department um, and all our shows getting scrapped and our budgets were pretty much <laughs> nullified. Um, yeah. So I, 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 I can't see why they're doing it, but at the same time, it's, it's, it's a bit sad to see how they've kind of treated in the last, this last year. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's uh it feels like it's declining and and yeah you may have got off that sinking ship at the right time there Nick, um but yeah like I said before with the with the Simon Hill news as well um it was uh it seemed like a shock to him having listened to him on a podcast recently he uh I don't know if he was shocked or not but do, do you have any insight on 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 him leaving and and was that just part of that like as you said before that uh winding down of the Fox Sports deals yeah it's it's difficult to say because. He's, he's a friend of mine, so um, I don't want to give too much away. He's he's he. I don't think he was surprised that he was he was being let go. Um, I know his his contract came to an end with Fox, and they weren't going to renew it. That's pretty much what it came down to. Um, and whether they're just trying to bring in some new talent or some cheaper talent for the A League. Um, which I don't know, it doesn't make sense because Simon's been the voice of, of A-League. It's going to be really weird not hearing his voice call a grand final this year. Um, but, yeah, I don't think he was surprised that he was let go. And um, I, he should be on to bigger and better things after Fox anyway. He, I, I reckon he could go over to England or return to England and, and, and commentate on, on a Premier League game pretty easily. Even though he's a massive Manchester City supporter, so he'd be quite biased if he was 
<laughs> commentating on City. <laughs> I'd have to agree with you on many points there. Having him commentate certainly uh, was a shock to me. As I said, I don't follow it too closely, but when I heard he was leaving, I was like, man, this is uh, this is getting serious now. Um, what are we going to do? And um, it's it's not a bad thing to have change and things like that, but to let go someone with such a status and name in the sport, I guess he was... Uh, for the A-League, we, we, we don't have that you know he was our closest thing to the martin tyler or the, the richie benos of the world he was our he, he was the best and um for him to get let go first was was what i found interesting because they need to rotate like commentators and i think cricket do it quite well they they have a number of commentators that come on and and rotate through and you get that kind of fix um whereas i think the a-league is a bit stagnant with how the commentators has have have sort of worked over the past few years so um, I'll go with you, Wolf. How do you feel like the commentators affect sort of people's, um, you know, whether they're going to watch the game and how, how has Simon Hill's leaving affected you? Oh, yeah. As you said, he's been the, the voice of football for uh, for a long time now and um, kind of put him up in in that higher kind of echelon with um, your Les Murrays, et cetera. So, um, yeah, it's going to be sad to see him go. Um, I think we've still got, what, is Brenton Speed. I think that's the only kind of big name commentator, but even then um, he's quite probably not as well known as, as he should be. Um, but yeah, I think the writing's on the wall for um, for Fox and they're, they're getting, just preparing themselves for um, letting go in 12 months of the, probably the whole football department. And so that there's still, there's still some good young commentators coming through that, um, like if they were trying to save money and, and bring these guys up, guys like Ben Homer, who's we're calling some of the lower echelon games and, and W he's a, he's a very good content. I think he was, he, he'll be one for the future. If, um, Fox keep hold of him and, and try and build him into something, something new. Yeah. And uh chipper. Yep. Mate. Um, as far as sort of new commentators go, I mean, the only one I can sort of think of that's done a decent job is, uh, they get Robbie Cornthwaite on the sidelines for most Adelaide games. He's he's quite good. He seems to he seems to be pretty knowledgeable on that side of the game. But with Simon Hill, I think that's that's probably one of the biggest losses out of all this from the A League. I think. I mean, I've been watching him since I was ten years old when he used to work on SBS. And yeah, I don't I don't know how far. I mean, I don't know the insides of it but i don't know if they know how big an impact he has on the football community as a whole i'm sure they they do but yeah i think that's a massive decision that isn't going to sit well with anyone and i read a good little article he wrote for the guardian i believe last week basically saying that their voices had been neutered he determined so i think maybe for for both of them it was a good thing that they're, they've separated from each other by the sound of it. Well, yeah, he said he said everything that pretty much he couldn't say at Fox Sports, which is it was good to see yeah. on paper. Definitely go and read it. Go go find it online. It's a good little read for sure. And I think if he's uh, willing to say that on paper, it's probably going to bode well if he does start commentating on the A League in a different format, perhaps with a different company. We might get to see. Uh, reinvigorated um, version, which which could be certainly interesting, and I, I'd love to hear that one that may not be, as he said before, dulled down or or quietened in some way. So certainly a shock to the system, and I guess just part and parcel of that Fox Sports deal expiring. So I guess I guess as we move forward, 
I mean, we, we talk about these issues in Australia and this winding down, but we've got so much to look forward to with the Women's World Cup coming. We are the biggest participation sport in Australia. We have all these things going for us, and yet we can't get our you know, gear together to, to organise this, this top league. And uh, I think it's a big issue. So where do you guys stand on uh, – let's go with you, Nick, on the, on the Women's World Cup. How do you think that's going to impact football in Australia? And how can we use this – participation rate we have is is women's football going to bring us up i guess into into the into the the echelons that we need football to get in through this world cup so yeah what do you think of the world cup and all that sort of stuff i mean yeah you really hope that this is another kind of rocket to our game to to bring us back into like where we should be that we are the number one participant sport in australia um and yeah like the matildas have been absolutely a, a shining light in this kind of dark times over the last couple of years they've been they're the number one i've read the number one commercially viable australian team uh, even above like the australian cricket team um so that's 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 amazing so yeah building up to 2023 for that we should really be um getting all the basics right getting our league sorted um so once like once we bring all those fans in um when the world cup comes here that they, they can latch onto that league and like hopefully become supporters after that. But it's just, yeah, getting all our foundations right. We've got three years until that happens. Um, and hopefully like by then it's a marketable, like exciting league at men's and women's. Yeah. But I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a great competition to, to watch here. And uh, Chipper, how are you feeling about this one? The Women's World Cup coming in um, and all that? It's it's massive news. It, it really is. I just hope we can capitalize on it like you like you're asking. I mean... I thought back in 2005 when we qualified for the World Cup, you know, this was it. This was our moment. And it, for a little while there, it looked like it was. You know, the league was only new as well. And then it kind of staled out. And then we won the Asian Cup. And I thought, no, this is the time. This is where we're kicking on here. And, I mean, the FFA just dropped the ball massively. And I think this is maybe not our last shot, but it, it, it's certainly crucial that we do take this chance, I think, because there's not much else going well for us at the moment, for sure. And Wolfo, mate, how do you feel? Yeah, I think it's a good opportunity for Australians <clears> to, <throat> to realise how big it really is, especially government. Um, hopefully they're going to realise how many people play, how many people watch it, um, how much money it can, it can bring into the country. Because um, at the moment we're pretty much getting the scraps of of any any sport funding um, nationwide, so despite being the biggest the biggest sport in terms of numbers, um, I think we're getting money similar to like basketball and like smaller sports like that. So uh, I suppose that's the biggest the biggest thing we can get out of it. Um, but you look at our national team, as Nick said before, they're probably the most loved or the most um, followed uh, national team men men all women um, for the country. So. Um, that's a good thing, and we've got so many players going overseas now, playing with some big clubs. So it can only be good for that development as well. I read something interesting today, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but I, is it true that Sydney have, have landed all the games, and Melbourne are missing out because the AFL are, were, were not willing to to give up some of their stadiums? Is that is that something you guys have heard at all, or is that something I've just misread somewhere along the lines? It's not a surprise that the AFL are trying to block football from achieving anything. That's for sure. They've they've blocked us using 
the MCG and Etihad. So I think the only Melbourne games will be out of Amy Park, which might be a quarterfinal as the highest game or maybe a semi. I see. So they've just stopped the, the, the largest venue. But, I mean, is an MCG good to watch football in? Um, I'm not a fan of those oval stadiums personally. I think they don't create the atmosphere at all. But that must have been what I was reading today, the, the, a few people complaining about the fact we can't get our biggest stadium filled, which I'm sure we could. But for me personally, and it seems like you guys are all giving me the nod, that atmosphere is, is crucial in a football game, having, having been to many. Realistically, are we going to get 100,000 people going to see... Um two non-Australian teams playing in a quarterfinal game? Uh, probably not, but 20,000 at least we can hopefully get um, get some bums on seats and, and make it look like a good spectacle. It certainly will be a spectacle, and I'm looking forward to it, to having sat that football. And as Chip was mentioning before, it keeps feeling like we're getting these starts, we're getting these starts, and we're not taking advantage of it. And, uh, and I wonder... That funding from the FFA, we uh, obviously had to pay our soccer rego this year. I don't know if you still play, Nick, but there was a big issue with uh, whether or not we had to pay our, our fees this year. And we uh, we happened to already know that our, our FFA money and our, and our Football Australia money was gone before we even had a chance to talk about it. So uh, have you do you know anything about that sort of money? Like, where's that money going and what's it going towards? Or is it just, um, you know, that minor marketing <laughs> we have going? Yeah, a black hole. That's probably where it's going. Uh, I actually play uh, in the church's comp, which is separate from the FFA. So luckily, my money's not going towards FFA. <laughs> You're lucky. We were uh, there's a few angry people in our football team, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, maybe maybe more directed at the club in the end because they they didn't they didn't uh, I guess manage it as well as we would have hoped. But you know, we're playing football again. That's that's a positive, and uh, and that money. Uh, you know, let's hope it can go somewhere in the, in the future with that FFA funding if they're going to take over and, and produce that football. So I guess it will be uh, interesting to see. I'd, I'd be interested to see what I say. I'd be interested to see what the uh, mid-year football New South Wales party looks like. <laughs> I, I want an invite. <laughs> I think it would be good. They threw some pretty good uh, end of A-League season parties. <laughs> I bet. All right. Well, uh, a couple other questions about Fox Sports that I know Tristan and particularly Sam would, would be upset if I didn't ask. So having worked and seen so many personalities over the year, like who, who are those people that sort of stand out? Like we, we obviously wrote down Bozzer in the show notes and he's someone that we've always loved because he just, you know, he comes out with everything. I think we've made a video about him. We've got like, I don't know, 50K views and um, he, he's been sort of that... Uh, that one that we can always point out and say, what's it like working with Bozza? But what's it like working at Fox Sports with these guys? And have you got any sort of uh, good stories? So, yeah, what you see with Bozza on TV is pretty much what you get off camera too. Um, I always said you see, you hear him before you see him coming down the office because he's, he's louder than life. Um, but in, in saying that, he's also just he's a lovely guy as well. Um, he's also hardworking. People don't think that he, like, he's just a larrikin on TV. He's... He does his research and will come in, able to have his work done. Um, but at the same time, if we're doing like a, a match day Saturday um, where he come back in at half time, and Boz has got to give his opinion on the game at, uh, of the first half, I would say he's probably watched about two minutes of that first half. <laughs> so he's a very good kind of bullshitter, <laughs> say so myself. Um, he obviously, he'll watch the goals, but the, the state of play of that first half, he probably hasn't seen too much of it. <laughs> um, other personalities like Robbie Slater, um, 
you've got to get him on a good day. He's um he's very up and down. He uh is a fitness. He's he'll come in. And he's like, yeah, I haven't eaten in in two days, oh, and I've just been for like a twenty k run. I'm like, well, well done, Robbie. Well done. <laughs> um, and there's you've got guys like Adam Peacock, who's another guy who's he could be a producer himself. He's um yeah another one of those really hardworking professional people. Um, and like he'll, if you're struggling to think of like ideas for the show, you pretty much, you go to Adam and you'll think of something for the show. Um, yeah, it was very easy to produce these guys. They're like, they've, they've been doing it for years as well. So they're, they're mini producers themselves. Um, yeah, the stuff like when we were doing Asian cup and we were up all night watching those games was probably like the funniest nights that I've, I've had watching three games with, with Adam Bozza. Robbie Slater, um, even Ned Zelich was just hilariously good times. Boom. That's awesome, mate. That's, Boom. that's, that's Ned, a, yeah. I've never met a person like Ned. He's the weirdest guy. <laughs> if you, um, if you, if he hadn't seen a goal, say he comes in the office and there's already been a goal in the Sunday game, he'll like, oh, show me the game, show me, show me the goal, show me the goal. He'll get his phone and he'll just record the computer screen. And then go off into a, a corner of the of the office and analyze him by himself, and you don't see him for like another hour. <laughs> like, yeah, no, I'll put, I'll put the analysis ready now. <laughs> oh, this is this after is an hour's of... analysis. All he gets is destruction in the box. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is gold. Yeah, we could we could have you on all day. I reckon. Uh, I want to know about your uh, Archie Thompson stories too. I'm sure I'm sure there might be a few there as well, but um. We might leave it there for now. We'll, we'll, we'll come back um, and maybe do a, a recap podcast and I can ask you a few more questions on uh, your experience at Fox. But, um, yeah, no, it, we thank you for, for sharing those stories. Obviously, it's uh, something that, that you personally experienced. So thanks for coming on and sharing those. Um, I guess before we, before we finish no up, before we finish up um, is there anything you want to say? I mean, I feel like, like none of us are here being paid to do this podcast at all. You know, we're here because we love the game and um, – and, and particularly for you, Nick, who's, who's obviously walked away from such a big role at Fox Sports and, and and to still have that passion for the game and wanting to see it do well, we, we've got to somehow use that. Like, we all have it, that drive to want to see it do well. So have you got any final opinions and um, uh, on the game and any s- suggestions for potential solutions? Well, that's, yeah, a million-dollar question, the solution to fix the A-League. Um, I don't know, probably... I spent five years being a football producer and it was, I was very, I became a neutral fan. I, I, I wasn't a fan of any, I was a Sydney fan, but I wasn't really an energized Sydney fan. Um, so I was more working in the crux of things. Um, so walking away, it's kind of given me a new lease of life of becoming a fan back of the league. Um, so now I'm back to feeling what everyone else is kind of feeling like all the pain and, suffering that we're not getting heard and, and not getting the product that we kind of deserve as football fans. Um, but yeah, how to fi- fix it. I mean, there's smarter people than me working at that, hopefully. Um, yeah, we can only hope that they're working for the best of football in the country and, and I hope they are. So yeah, it's just, it's just good that the game's back on, on Friday night and we can finally watch some football games again in this country. That's it. And uh, Wolfo and Chip, any uh, any uh, final words and solutions, mate? We're all ears, as uh, as Nick said. We're, we're hoping someone can come up with something. So uh, <laughs> you don't have a solution? Have you got any final words for the show? Um, I think one major thing that I think needs to 
be implemented. I'm not the guy to tell you how to implement it, but I think there needs to be some form of transfer market to get some of that money moving around, not just in the A-League, but the especially the state league sides who produce a lot of these, you know, players from, you know, seven years old all the way through. At the end of it, they just go and join an A-League club and really get nothing out of it. So... Um, yeah, I think that's get some money moving around the economy for sure is a big is a big thing. Well, have you heard anything about that, Nick? Anything about the transfer system or, or anything like that? Any news on that? So, yeah, the document that came out a couple of weeks ago by James Johnson was like 11-step plan of what they want to do with it. Um, they do want to bring in... A FIFA-mandated transfer system um, between clubs because at the moment we don't have anything. We sell our players off overseas and we don't really see any of that money. Um, and I suppose the only thing transfery that we have at the moment is is youth players can be loaned out to other clubs. Um, so, but it is, I believe, in the pipeline in the coming years of, of a transfer system because that would be, yeah, that would energize like clubs to like invest more in youth and then they can probably sell off and make a bit of money. Like, could you think of like Mariners, how many youth players came from that that club in the last ten years, and how much money they could have made if there was a transfer system? They'd probably be, yeah, one of the number one clubs in the country. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, even the the Daniel De Silva transfer to Sydney, that one year youth player loan or whatever they got him on was a was a joke. I I I don't understand any of it. I don't see, you know, you get players just, you know mutually terminating contracts and the next week they end up at, you know, another club. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, I think that rule was brought in to pretty much stop small clubs from losing players, but then um, as a result that they weren't receiving any income from losing those those good players and then ultimately they were just um, holding clubs to ransom to let them, let them be released. Um, so it was kind of, yeah, it was just a... Bit of a shit fight, really. But I read that. I had a quick look at that eleven principles document that FFA bought out, and there's only one point nine million dollars um, in transfer fees for the whole league last year, which is crazy. Oh, that's not for the whole league, for the whole country. So, including NPL teams. So, like, I think Japan and Korea, they were like well over 50, 60 million. So. Shows how much money there is out there in the football world, but we're just not getting any of that coming into um, into our league. Is that is that salary cap issues though? Like I know we're one of the only sort of leagues with that going on. So, what do you think of the salary cap, Nick? Um, and then I'll cut to you, boys. Well, like, M- MLS have a salary cap as well, and it still kind of works for them. Um, the problem is like there's. I, I, there probably should be a salary cap with just for Australian players, and then clubs should be free to then sign international players, maybe five max five international players of any any sort. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's it's good in a way of keeping everyone together, but it's not really used properly by the majority of the teams. Where like Central Coast and, and Newcastle and Brisbane aren't going out and buying the flashy players; they're just going bare minimum of the cap. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if it's, it was used properly, maybe with a few adjustments, I reckon it'd be okay. But, yeah. You know, when you've got clubs barely 
hitting the salary cap floor or 2.8 million or or whatever whatever that is i mean the salary cap is basically useless because you know clubs that are able to hold on to players like you know your bigger clubs like sydney and melbourne a lot of those players once you hit 5 years you're not playing i mean i don't know the exact figure but you're only paying up to 60% of their wage so then it like the salary cap divide is huge anyway between the bigger and the smaller clubs so i think it, it it doesn't really work that well in the current format anyway so yeah i think as nick said before um going off um for international players yeah they should be probably exempt from a salary cap that's probably the best um outcome that i've heard but at the same time maybe a financial fair play system i know it's a bit of a laughing matter at the moment with <laughs> with uh, manchester city but um Yes, so there's biggest clubs who are the really big kind of um, setups in terms of football departments. Then maybe um, yeah, give those little clubs a bit of a better chance. Well, I guess as a Newcastle supporter in the EPL, I am I am very against financial fair play. <laughs> <laughs> Understandable, Chip. Um, you're probably going to win the league in four years now. What is it? What's the how many? How much do you have to spend this year? What did you tell me on the weekend? I, I think someone's already done the maths, although I believe we might have just shot ourselves in the foot with that takeover anyway. That's another story. <laughs> um, I think it's about £170 million pounds we're allowed to spend in the first season if we get taken over. So, so three or four jo- – no, three jo- Joel Lintons. Um, <laughs> so what's that, a max of six, <laughs> yeah. six goals? So you get that's six, six goals. goals for the season there. <laughs> Looking good. Um Look, I guess, uh, as I was saying before, uh, I appreciate you guys coming on. For, for me, making this podcast and doing things like this, I think the A-League has a, has a massive marketing and distribution problem. Um, I don't see them on social media. The, the most content I see comes from, yeah, the Caltech's Australian Football Fans Group. I feel like there is an untapped plethora of people that want to be in this, that, that, that want to start making stuff, and there is no means to do that right now. Social media, the millennials... We've got to access that. For me, that is our that is our next port of call. We've got to tap into that. They're going to be playing football. That generation that we've got the highest participation is about to grow up and start being able to access football and want to go to the games. We've got to make sure we're hitting that. And I think our social media presence is absolutely woeful right now for the A-League. And guys, if you're listening from the A-League, we are more than happy to do this stuff. And if you pay us, I'm sure we can do a better job. So... Um, but 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 for me, that's that's my personal solution. Being a um, a content maker and things like that, that's that's what I see as as, an, as a current issue. But I guess it stems from the quality of football, which leads into the production and things like that. So lots of systemic issues that we've talked about today. Um, but it has been a pleasure. So um, once again, Nick, I, I thank you for coming on and putting your hand up to do this on your own um, and, and let us in on some of those awesome stories you've got. And like I said, I want to get you back on to, to talk again. So so thanks, Nick, for coming on first. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. And uh, boys, Alex and Chip, thanks for filling in last minute for me. I do appreciate it. Um, and I like that you guys actually know what you're talking about. Um, uh, Tristan and Sam are going to have to be a bit worried. So, you know, if you're listening to this, boys, you got to up your game next week. But um, thanks again, boys, uh, for coming on. <laughs> Thank you. No worries, anytime. And to all our listeners, uh, it always helps if you can give us a like and a follow and uh, spread this around because, you know, as we talked about, we want to see it do well. And uh, we know that if you're listening, you probably do too. So get on, 
get a solution, get involved, start making some stuff, and uh, and yeah, we uh, hopefully can uh, have another A League podcast in a couple of weeks to have a chat. Thanks again, guys, and we'll see you later.